Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Human All Too Human, our podcast on the human condition. Today is episode four. I'm joined by Gavin, a friend of mine from college, who is actually in part an inspiration for starting this podcast. He recommended me a book to read that set me on this path. So if you love what we're doing, say some uh, say some thanks to him. And if you don't like what we're doing, you know where to send the letter bombs. But other than that, today we're going to be talking about reconciling science, religion, and philosophy. Pretty interesting topic. Um, before we really dive deep into it, Gavin, do you want to just share some stuff about yourself? Quick introduction. Sure, please. Um, so my name's Gavin Hennessy. I, uh, right now I'm a PhD student at Penn State University. I'm a first year. That's, uh, I met Chris in undergrad. I was just telling him like a minute ago, I don't often think about religion day to day, but it's certainly, I think about science often, and um, it's a it, there's an interesting balance between the two. There's fanatics in both cases, and there's reasons to connect them. But so hopefully we get into that. And yeah, I'm happy to be talking. By the way, my PhD is uh, in material science engineering, so I have some appreciation for the beauty of the structures of the material world and chemistry and stuff. Chemistry and physics are particularly what I study. Yeah, thanks thanks yeah. for having me. <laughs> no, thank you for coming. It's really funny how, how much ethos you give the moment you just say, I'm a PhD student. You know, I kind of straightened my back a little bit, even though we're not on Zoom. I was like, oh my God, a PhD student. <laughs> Still a but, first year. Yeah. I haven't proved myself yet. <laughs> you so. didn't have, you could have left that part. No, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's the same old Gavin. Anyway, same old Gavin. Um, so, so as you know, I started this podcast uh, a few months ago. And then part, part of the reason we were, we were talking about this beforehand is I wanted to talk out. Uh, a bunch of the complexities, you know, plaguing the human condition. And from the start, we've had a lot of great guests from Dr. Binder episode one to most recently some for some friends of ours, uh, Abby, Aaron and Layla. And, you know, it's been incredibly insightful. But what's abundantly clear is that it hasn't made anything less confusing. Right. Which which is understandable. Right. There's nothing that's going to sort of categorize uh, the human condition in in one sense. And that's why we wanted to explore um, science, religion and philosophy, because they all sort of um, try to answer the questions of why, when, you know, who, what, where in, in their own different ways. And in, in, in one aspect, what I was thinking about is if, if there were to be a structure to this world, right, it would almost be death because we're born and then there's a spot on the timeline that's, that's there that will, will obviously not exist anymore. And then other than that, there are no certainties in life. So that in a way, that means life is structured by death. And that has some weird and different and uncomfortable implications. And Gavin, you dip, you kind of dip your toe into all three science, religion, and philosophy, and so I thought it'd be, you know, an incredibly interesting conversation. Um, you, you talked about this before, but why, why don't we talk about, you know, any sort of religious upbringing you had? Sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I've, I was looking up some stuff about religion earlier, but I hadn't been looking up anything about death, so that uh, that scared me a bit. But hopefully, I'll <laughs> be competent in talking about it. But so growing up, I was raised um, Irish Catholic to an ex extent. My mom was is born in Ireland and then was raised pretty Catholic there. And then she like I went up to communion. I'm of my opinion, my I'm not very into church and neither was my my parents. So I think we went as far as we had to in like regards to her family preference. And then it was kind of up to us. Uh, I don't practice Catholicism. I don't feel I don't know how far you want me to go with this but I don't see I don't see God as being like a 
a human form, I would say. I don't see it as like anthropomorphic. I think that um, I believe in like an energy. I believe that there are things guiding like fate and free will. And I'm sure we'll talk about that a bit. But um, my running guess is usually based off of science where um, science is kind of based off disproving and not like proving. I think it's wrong to speak in absolutes. And I think uh, religion kind of breeds fanaticism, which can be dangerous. Uh, so there's some things that I've never liked about the church and religion, but there's certainly other religions that are very cool. I've, I've dabbled in listening to about a, a lot about a lot of Buddhism, uh, Ramdas being one of my favorites. Um, so there's just like a, a few cool stuff and some religions that I prefer, Buddhism being one that is also welcome to be questioned just like science is. Um, so I think I am a an atheist or agnostic, but I think it's important if you claim you're an atheist to sort of uh, explain what God you're talking about and you reject. Uh, so I reject an all loving God. I reject like a an omniscient, all loving God. I believe that there are definitely some cool things that uh, pop up in the universe that are like beautiful, like math, ma like how math relates to the world and how structure is like often empty place and uh, space and all that. There's some cool things that you have to believe someone who created it had some irony and had some intention. Uh, but there's also some things that make me uh, concerned about the presence of a god. I, it's almost a little disconcerting or concerning to feel constantly watched. I don't love that feeling. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me. No, that's that's great to hear. And um, yeah, it is uncomfortable knowing that if there were to exist, right, that God, as most people understand it, that there's this um, uh, this all-powerful, omnipotent being judging us everywhere, right? I mean, that's a terrifying experience. Like humans already judge us, you know, each other enough. And, you know, I, I think it's funny what you mentioned. You you said that there are some, you know, pretty funny and ironic things that happen in the world that, that make you think that some sort of higher energy might be there guiding it, right? And just like how I would say there's a lot of tragedy that happens everywhere that people make people think, well, like, what was what was the point of this and what is what is it for? And, you know, to one respect, I think when you touched on some of the some of the parts that religion fills in as a void. Right. When 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 you think about, let's say, a death happens to someone that's close to you. Right. Um, a lot of the thoughts that immediately people gravitate towards is why does this happen? And then it becomes, oh, well. Um, it happened for this reason because, um, you know, let's say God has uh, has a reason for everything, right? And it's and it's a way that people fill in this uncomfortableness with the fact that there might not be, you know, um, a, a white man with a long beard sitting in the clouds guide, guiding us, and, you know, as as we say. But but I'm I'm curious about the, this higher energy you you talked about. What 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 do you what does what does that really mean? If you can go into more detail. Sure. Um, I'm gonna keep it very vague because it's very vague in my head. I don't. I. I don't plan on converting anyone, nor am I. And I think that's actually one of the one of my proponents from science is I don't. You're not doing me a favor to like believe what I believe. It's actually would do me a favor to disprove me to give me knowledge that would otherwise adjust my opinion. Um, 
but in terms if you want to speak to that you can too just something we were talking about him like a, a minute ago before the podcast started is brothers Karamazov where you're saying uh where essentially the theme is um if god can be so cruel why would i want to spend an eternity with him uh revoke my ticket to heaven as he said um but yeah so the my idea my running guess is that there is some higher consciousness or order that's like does have an effect on things i don't think that it's i think it's pretty uh laissez-faire like hands off in terms of like our inner our day-to-day things but uh our day-to-day like goings but in terms of death and all that i i kind of lean more towards reincarnation over um or like a form of it over uh over any heaven aspect i think that in science and in nature the whole like energy cannot be created or destroyed it can only be converted and into other forms like for example sound heat light um i think there's and the fact that our brain chemistry like what we take what we consider consciousness is like just a chemical uh chemical interaction you're essentially a chemical supercomputer and there's some lesser extent in that in things like a plant like having a chemical reaction to want to get more sun um so i'm talking a lot but what i'm trying to get to the point of is i think that like essentially when we die i don't think there's a a carbon copy of me that gets sent somewhere i or I think it's more of like more likely to be that it would my like essence would kind of get split up and like given to new plants growing and new animals being born and all that where that have different measures of consciousness. I think it's a little uh, entitled to believe that humans are the best form of con or like the form of consciousness. I think if you consciousness is only worthwhile up to the point where you cannot understand it and I'm sure if there was some species that could understand consciousness better than humans, then they'd probably have an ample bit. Maybe that's what a god is. So maybe there's some like, there's a lot to digest there. But yeah, so yeah. So from from your science background, how would you even go about disproving that this sort of higher energy, higher consciousness, and what it's guiding? Right. It seems like something that's very hard to go out and disprove in particular. Yeah, I, a lot of, and obviously that's one of the beauties of being in a religion is you're kind of, you're kind of pitted, uh, you're given the answers and you accept those answers. And that's a a lovely feeling for a lot of people. It helps people that are in certain circumstances that they otherwise would never get out of. Um, So yeah, I think there's some beauty in it, but disproving or proving god first of all is, it's not my place to do so for anyone like i said i'm i'm not a converter i would like to present like how how i think nicely so that people could were free to pick it up but like it's no skin off my back if you are a hard catholic or whatever or hard christian or whatever form it takes if you're practicing buddhism practicing hinduism that's any ism out there i think science is among them but it's fundamentally different i i'd say there's some that are buddhism is very similar to science in a lot of respects yeah i mean they're they're they all 
one of the one of the issues is they all sort of go about trying to solve the one thing that is um you know in 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 that's similar to all humans right and and it's you know what we're doing here what is happening around us and then some touch on the why more than the what right but but in some respects that they all they all they all cover one portion of it and in the previous episodes we have touched upon um free will choices and determinism so whether or not you know we are from from the point that we are born to the point that we die we are presented with an infinite multitude of choices right and whether or not the actions that we take are a result of um, or are determined right from past um, experiences or they are either under our free will or just the perception that we have free will whatever you want to call it right whatever you want to believe whatever path you do go down you close off right an infinite number of other paths and an infinite number of other lives you may have lived right so you are stuck in this or you are left with this one defined path and that's but that what that doesn't tell you right so let's say you take the scientific deterministic um, outlook what that still doesn't tell you is why we're doing it right because at the point that you we, we often distract ourselves right so the last episode we talked about um, lies and deception and forms of self lies and self deception right and i think what is probably um coherent across across everyone relatable is we will often distract ourselves right you know we'll we'll, we'll work a job for i don't know 40 years right for to hit this one goal of making money right and then we might we might do it we might not and then we pass away right and then we're forgotten so the question becomes well what was the point of all this monotony right if we can all if most humans from an outside perspective can be have their lives reduced to three like three or four simple things right like they woke up they ate they went to work and they went to sleep um what what is the point of all this and i think that's something that science can't or doesn't really touch on because that's not the point, right? And that's really where religion and philosophy comes in. And now we have to decide what we do if we believe in all three. Yeah, I think you definitely hit the nail on the head there with uh, saying it's more of a philosophical question than a science question. I think uh, science does not aim to to solve that. Like there are certain science, there's no book or or uh, like work in science that's unimpeachable. Like there is a running there is a running best guess that will often change or alter a little bit like there's some things that can be expected of course if i throw a football in the air it'll come back down for the most part um and then but that's it is a philosophical question so like what you were asking with the, the whole god existing or not um like there are certain parts of the book that of course i wouldn't uh, you could you, there's reason to disprove like evolution existing has been uh, proven in in some irrefutable evidence that it should exist. I do believe personally that the Earth is older than six thousand years old. I think there's a even larger reason to believe that, um, just based on carbon dating and things that we know exist. Um, but it doesn't disprove the the mean the existence of a god things that could uh are often philosophical questions like if your omniscient god exists then and i'm just speaking out out of term if your omniscient god exists then certainly he knows exactly what it would take to convince me of his existence certainly he could speak to me if he wanted to if he was all powerful or if he was all loving and it would benefit me then 
it would be worthwhile, but maybe it's not worthwhile. Maybe there's some some reason to be left in the dark, so to speak, and like kind of figure it out for yourself. Um, and maybe if we were just given the answers, there'd be no freedom at all, freedom of thought, if you just like had the answer. Um, and that's to some comfort in some circumstances, but it also leads to like a lack of choice. Um, so, and maybe violence, I don't know. No, exactly. And, and you touched on it. So I, I feel like a lot of uh, people from scientific backgrounds probably take a more deterministic point of view, right? Just that everything that we do has been determined by our experiences and all, you know, our inputs as um, our previous guest put it. And so really what, what all the choices that we're making have been um, predetermined for us. And I don't know how you feel about that. And what, what's concerning to me about that is it, once again, it's, it still doesn't answer philosophical questions, right? So you can turn to religion, you can turn to philosophy, but then if you're a believer in religion, you still have to reconcile all three. And I think, you know, no matter how much you believe in science, right? There's, and let's say you take a hardcore deterministic view. It's hard to tell yourself just as a human that you don't have free will, right? No matter what you believe, it, I think it's almost impossible to work under the pretenses that you, 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 that you are a mechanical, right? That and everything's systematic. And I think a lot of people just if they can act under even the perception of free will, it's, it's, it's good enough for them. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I fate first free will is not something I think about too often. I do believe that you have some jurisdiction for sure. I think that there's, but I do think that I, in a lot of ways was faded into some things in my life. Some parts of my life were, do seem to be out of the ordinary from what I would have picked. Um, or like, for example, like me, the way I got into the program to do grad school was something that was kind of thrust upon me. And I'm, I'm liking it so far. It's great, but it's, it's interesting because I saw myself, like, if you asked me my senior year, I'd be like, nope, getting a job at a company, going to chill when I get home, that sort of thing. And, but yeah, so there's some things that, I seem I can see in my life that like curved me towards certain paths, but um, but yeah, I also don't think about fate first free will. I'd be lying if I did. Uh, I try to. It's kind of suffocating, as you were kind of getting at. It's important to also just do your best with the tend to the garden you can touch. There's like what a lot of people say, like sort of uh, fix what you can and adjust what you find is the best path. Whether I'm being puppeteered or not i it, i don't think it would adjust my my opinion unless i felt there was some like malevolent puppet that was screwing with my life yeah no definitely and so you know from all the all the research you do and and you know you get into the weeds with uh, you know as, a, as someone that deals with material science with with the, the physicality aspects of the earth and you know really you know tangential to natural science you you don't ever experience and I'm just curious, like through through your daily studies or anything, anything that would make you second guess any religious or philosophical opinions that you have? No, I think it's like honestly almost the opposite. I think like the the ability to, and I'm not super well read. Let me say that to the audience. Like in terms of uh, in terms of the material science world, I'm working on it. I've been trying to read a bunch more textbooks and a bunch more theses, but I'm not super well read in terms of what 
I'm speaking on, but existence of things like, like the laws of thermodynamics and gives free energy and like things being favorable or unfavorable in terms of like energy barriers and like a, a, a likeness for some things to happen, but not other, other things to not happen are, is super interesting and like super, I almost like magical and like science gives you a, an appreciation for things that you can't see in a, at least in material science, everything, a lot of things are on the micron level, the nanometer level. Like it's, it's really interesting because you can take a hard look at things that like are kind of non-existent in some forms, uh, at least in terms of like, if, if the world was never to invent the X-ray, uh, X-ray diffraction tools or like scanning electron microscopes or anything that there's some amazing things that I think would almost lead me more to religion as like an appreciation for it. But again, there's, there's hundreds of gods, hundreds of like different forms of like, whether you, you don't, to say you're Christian or Catholic or whatever, it doesn't mean that you like think that like masturbation or evolution belief is going to get you killed. Like, it, or get you like eternally damned um there's definitely levels to it and there's i almost think it's in your best bet to be refuting yourself and to have a bit of like a a melting pot of of beliefs there's i i think a lot of my personal beliefs come from fantasy and fiction like novels where it's has guided my morals but i don't I don't claim that like the Cimmerillion or like the Hobbit, like this kind of like did happen before it's, it's a refutable thing, but there are certainly morals within books um, that can drive you and, yeah, but, and there's and morals in books, anime that can drive you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and those books, uh, Tolkien, um, they're very religious. Uh, they were really inspired by religion. If I, if I, if I'm understanding correctly. Yeah. Um, so Lord of the Rings, um, was essentially like his his take on how to play with language different languages of different species and like essentially a world was built from there but he went back after and wrote what's called the Summerillion, which is like the religion part of it that was the like whole lore right that's the big book stuff. about the whole history and everything yeah it's like a series of like vignettes of different like it's pretty it's pretty hard read i i never finished it i it's it's, it's kind of a honestly the movies are awesome and quick tangential i i read all the books like the lord of the rings the trilogy and it was mm. not easy like it was just not no, it's yeah. like a 2000 page like he, every page you want to shoot yourself he, he's a great uh, yeah writer, he's but, he's an amazing writer i yeah. think the hobbit is his it, the hobbit's amazing it's definitely a chill uh, more of a children's book and but with that comes some easy to understand morals yeah. and yeah and, and from what I understand, a lot of the experience, like the Balrog, right, was from his experience in war, right? All the all the harrowing things he's seen. And so he's he's given it this backdrop of Christianity. And he's also, you know, seen all the devastation of war. I mean, he was on, he was fighting yeah. trench warfare, right? I believe that. I don't know a lot about him, but I know he's, uh, <laughs> I know two things about him is that he's like 6'8". Like he's just like a towering man. And then he also is like, I think a big proponent of old English, like Beowulf, I think he taught an entire class on. So I, I, I know he was in a war and I believe that, but yeah, tough guy for sure. Yeah. I can't believe those are the two things. He, 
I mean, you I, could, I, <laughs> those are the I, two I, things that, that, that struck you by him. Like, I think uh, he was a professor somewhere and he taught about Beowulf. Yeah. And I just, there's stories of just him being like so intimidating because he's like an, an enormous person. But yeah, 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 definitely tangential. It doesn't matter too much. No, but no, it, it does matter because like, if you think about it, there was a, a movie that came out, it's called Tolkien. And then, what is, it, is it Tolkien? Tolkien? Tolkien. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, it was He's a dead, story, like, like the fellowship, the fellowship in the Lord of the Rings was inspired by him and his group of friends who enlisted for the war. And some of them didn't come back. And if you're familiar with the movie, obviously, like, yeah, I, me, I have not seen the movie now, but I, I haven't seen the movie either. But like, because I heard it was a, a terrible movie, <laughs> but, but, the fa- <laughs> but it was factually like it was factually correct. Right. So then, you know, it made me it made me, you know, read more stuff about about the author because he's such an interesting guy. And yeah. if you remember everything that happened in the fellowship, for instance, Boromir's death, right? I, you, that's mm-hmm. totally like the death of his friend, one of, one of his friends. Like that, that's where that was inspired from. And I mentioned it before, the Balrog, the giant fire monster. That was an inspiration from um, No Man's Land, right? All the artillery shells exploding and um, all, all the fire and stuff. And then it, it really, he conflated it into this huge demon, right? And so yeah, he, he, he transfers cool. a lot of these experiences in, in, into this book, right? And it's another thing, right? You look at this massive, expansive trilogy, and it's not even a trilogy. It goes way beyond that, right? He spent years of his life, right? Decades of his life building this world. And as you said, people look at the things like you, for instance, and then, you know, might take some moral or ethical implications from it. And we can make the argument that that even stemmed from the Bible. So it almost seems like everything or all of our moral um, arguments have stemmed from some sort of biblical reference. Right. So here we are presented again, where maybe the scientist in you says there are many things that point to me. Like, for instance, a lot of scientists will say you touched on this. If there was a God who was all knowing, he would be able to he would know what he would need to do to prove it to me. Right. So so like my base assumption is until I'm proven otherwise, there is no God. Right. A lot of um, a, a lot of scientists will have that point of view. And I think that's and it's reductive in one way. It, it, it's 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 true in another Right. But once again, it's almost like you have to combine the two in order to um, sort of be content or understand uh, life in a way, because you can't you can break you can break human existence down to the very atom. And once again, that doesn't tell you why you're here. So you need something else. And if that something else conflicts with your like, for instance, if that's something else, a religion and conflicts with your scientific view. That presents a lot more issues, right? Because the whole thing is already perplexing enough. And it's not like, okay, if it's not religion, then philosophy and science. Philosophy and science are often at odds with each other as well. So it's like a whole, you know, this trifecta, you know, is, is, is just, it's, it's a, just a hard situation in general. Yeah, absolutely. I also, uh, I, I, I just want to say, I don't, I, I, don't necess- I don't dissuade people from joining religion. I think religion is very powerful. I think it's, a lot of people a lot of people get a lot out of it i uh and it doesn't it doesn't have to be a personal experience where you're some like read all you can and like if you find something that works for you and it's not hurting anyone like by believing that if you're if if you're if your religion doesn't actively uh, like attack anything and you're not being a part of that then i think it's and it's to your benefit i think it's absolutely worthwhile um a common example and is like the power of prayer like i i have even if i don't necessarily like anthropomorphize a god as like some guy in the clouds it doesn't mean that i haven't like wished for things or prayed for things or had any uh 
or want, wish that things would come true and then see that they maybe do. And maybe it's just opening your eyes to be looking for the things that you're wanting. But I, I do believe in like manifesting to an extent. Um, so I just want that now. Right. That, that, and that's interesting. I mean, I, I would say that, yes, I have similar experiences, but from a, a strictly scientific standpoint, it would, it would, it would almost seem that pr prayer wouldn't make or manifesting wouldn't make, w wouldn't be um, completely realistic. Right. So, so how do you, you, you how, how do you deal with those two? Right. Because if you're thinking or like praying or manifesting something to um, come true, right. What, what are, like what does science tell you about that for instance to be honest science doesn't tell me about it i try i do try and like i do separate like my work life from my actual life i don't I'm, I'm, i'd be lying to you if i like i, I study ferroelectrics and piezoelectrics and there's tons of those in my phone and stuff but every time i go on my phone on youtube or whatever i'm not thinking like oh aren't the leds in my screen like doing like it there's some there's some separation there that uh, uh, or LCD screens or like there's some material science that are is constantly in my life and if I slow down it's important to appreciate but I don't think scientifically all the time nor do I think religiously all the time so I think sometimes it's just in my best interest to kind of wish things happen and maybe maybe i'm just hedging my bets that maybe there is a god and take advantage of it if he's there um type of thing but yeah i i don't think there's anything in science that's like denying me the the app the gift of prayer like you, you don't have to call it prayer you can call it wishing like i i i wish everything works out for not just me like for you too i i can't i wish you well i think that like there's some things that and i think that me thinking about you like kind of does <laughs> in some ways make things better for you even if it's like subconsciously like maybe like there's some reason to believe that like telling someone that they love you uh, telling t me saying like hey i love you you're gonna get through this type of thing like it probably does benefit me to get through that um and getting that from some like greater consciousness that's that's a warm feeling i gotta think um so yeah no that that is that is true um i don't know if you're familiar with kierkegaard but but he almost no, i'm not he almost established a similar a similar aspect he he called that you know disconnect right or what you just called you know a higher consciousness providing some sort of support right he called that the leap of faith right and he said you know life is so absurd that everybody that, that's the only way you can get through it with that leap of faith and it's funny that you mentioned before, you, you joked about hedging your bets. Someone in the chat actually said, um, well, what are your thoughts on Pascal's wager? I'm sure you're aware that's, you know, the idea that you should believe in a God because, you know, the downside is infinitely worse than, yeah. than, than, than the upside. And, you, you know, that never really um, struck me as an attractive proposition because it, it seems very half-assed and it's like, who am I fooling if there's a God, right? If I'm just like, maybe if I go to church, once yeah. a month like, <laughs> like. I, yeah it's there's some weird parts about it because like certainly there would be more uh like a more realistic like is covid some punishment that like happened because people didn't start going to church like there's some weird things that like i don't know the, <laughs> i try not to think about death too much there's some like some things that help me for sure like obviously i don't 
death is scary because it's like asleep that are going to sleep and not waking up and that's obviously a very terrifying thing but the idea of waking up from a sleep you didn't know is essentially birth and like that's a weird weird thing that i obviously i don't remember but is like i don't know there's i'm kind of talking around the question because i don't have a great answer but yeah i think there's some... i mean none of us do right that's the whole yeah. point <laughs> if, if we had a great answer man i'd be you know i'd be doing something with my life <laughs> but yeah i don't think i mean would pascal's wager like it would would it behoove me to like believe in every religion that has a nice afterlife like i if this if your god is all loving certainly he's certainly he's not only taking like the people believe in his best version of christianity or catholicism or whatever it may be when i get up there <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> yeah just <laughs> god if you're listening you know no, yeah, um, just... uh, yeah. <laughs> and you know you mentioned it before and you said um, you don't necessarily believe in an all-loving God. And I think that topic comes up a lot in, in a book we both read, The Brothers uh, Karamazov, right, by Dostoevsky. And, you know, one of the characters, he says, even if there's a God, I don't want to believe in him, right? Because, you know, there's too much suffering out there. And I think um, in, in one aspect, that is a very, like, that's a very relatable sense. In another aspect, it's a little, it's a little reductive. And I'd say... Um, you know, and he, and he makes the leap saying, you know, if there's no God, then everything's permitted. And a lot of philosophers have come out and said, okay, just because everything's like allowed doesn't mean every, every, you should be able to do everything right within your power. And then in the book, you know, he talks about murdering. And, and then so it, it presents really in, an interesting question, right? What, how, how, what dictates how we live our lives? I mean, you also touched on this as well. You said some people, some people have definitely called COVID, right? Like, you know, it's like plague. It's God punishing us, right? And even though that might not be physically harming to any of us, right? I think there's a lot of, I mean, you need to take responsibility when you say stuff like that, right? Because there are serious, like there are serious consequences happening right now. People are dying, right? And and then for you to call it a religious plague, not, not you, but like the people who do is, is um, you know, it's it's not, it, it's uncomfortable for me that people would, would take that view, right? Because it's so foreign to me. I would never think about it something like that right when i see covid i'm like okay yeah of course like if, you, if you're butchering animals in the middle of the street then selling their meat like obviously some sort of you know disease that's able to cross of animals to humans is going to happen right and to call and to make the leap and call it like divine punishment it scares me that people do make that leap i don't know what you think no yeah i agree i think i think there's it, it it's seems and there's some statistics against it but it seems like covid's pretty indiscriminate as to whether you're us whether you're what religion you are there's some obviously some some factors that can lead whether to you get affected way worse um or whether healthcare is available and whether that's like god putting you into a harder spot or whatever behooves you to believe like there's some things that definitely affect you um but i don't think that if they if if you prayed more or less that you got any got it any worse or more i think that i certainly hope that's not, not how i yeah, believe I in power be of prayer but i do think <laughs> that sending good wishes or like putting good energy out into the universe does come back to you um it's almost and, like car and it's, it's almost like karma in a way what you just described right yeah exactly and it's like not to say like religion does great things like it really does but it also has been like it caused a lot of deaths like it's 
fanaticism in general can cause wars and religion has certainly proven that fanaticism can come from that if you if you tell me that i'm i'm right and the guys on the other side of the pond don't believe that i'm right and are getting riled up about that i'm not like if i get told that from when i'm very young like yeah i would start to villainize because that's just <laughs> it's been proven throughout history that that can be the case um but i also do believe that like regardless of religion if you're walking down the street and you look at like say say figuratively you're walking down the street and there's like a pond to your right and you see some young like five-year-old or something drowning in the pond i don't care if you're like buddhist hindu like atheist agnostic like you're gonna leap out to like try and help those that you can but of course there's more there's no morals against people helping people like there's essentially there's a belief in like judaism that it it is necessary for you to help people like it doesn't matter what the heck if you don't it doesn't matter if you don't have enough food for yourself like you help someone that's in need kind of thing um but of course there's some to stretch that like a stretch that uh i guess figurative or that simile a little farther is like say that that lake becomes 30 feet farther like 50 feet long like at one point like am i at what point am i not helping the people in on the, on the other side of the world that are struggling or like in other circumstances that are struggling and like that can be a, a daunting experience so that's why it's kind of like what i was saying earlier like tend to the garden you can touch and kind of have that if you can have like a christ consciousness where it's sort of like i when i see you i see me like sort of thing that's a, an amazing kind of the hope of the buddha and that's kind of the hope of like a lot of religions is to kind of see your neighbor treat your neighbor as <laughs> the golden rule you know treat how you want to be treated <laughs> but yeah, uh, i mean that's an interesting question because it, it comes down to what part of that is um genuine what part of that is within human nature like altruism right and what part of it is and, and for instance you just mentioned uh, judaism right and they have that you know really strong help others um, sort of dictation, right? And then, you know, the question then becomes, what part of that is guided by all the religious background that we have? And, you know, is it just because it's, because what what is what appeals to us about that idea is, we like that idea because we, we then, if we support it, we then implicitly say, uh, are, are, are assuming that if we're in need, people will help out. And that's comfortable, right? So then we've sort of established that as a moral good, helping others, right? Help thy neighbor. And the question then becomes, well, is that a central moral theme to uh, the human condition, right? Or is that something that we've all sort of in, in, in sublimated in a way, right? We didn't, it's not necessarily like a moral absolute. And we just thought it was mutually beneficial to us as individuals. And we sort of um, put that on a pedestal for, for morality, right? And I feel like a religion, in a way, is somewhat like that, right? Because they've, they've doled out the Ten Commandments. They've meted out these Ten Commandments, right? And that's been the moral structure for uh, humans and civilizations for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, right? And, you know, you know is that the right base of, of, of morals is, is the question. And, and, and then, you know, going back to your point, um, about about previously about science, you know, tending the garden that you that you that you work on. I mean, it's 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 it, you know, it, 
to your analogy about the lake that extends across the whole world and how there's people suffering out there that you can't help. You know, do we not then implicitly have um, infinite burden and responsibility and guilt for those people that we might be able to do something a little bit, but we still don't, right? I mean, it's it's it's, it's just this huge bundle of questions. It's a good thing the all-powerful God can help them, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I think... I think even with science, science and religion can totally coexist. Like, for example, with material science, it's like trying to prove, they're trying to understand better the, like, the ways that structure and properties have of whether, how to make a, a, how to make a spaceship, how to make a spaceship that can survive, like, coming down into the atmosphere at extreme heat and extreme speed and, like, how to create, um, like, anything, super, super, super computers that can, need to stay cool somehow and like all that like they're they're i'm of two minds about it is like if i was a religious person i could say like oh how wonderful it is that i can like essentially get a better understanding of like god's creation um there's some some beauty in that and like nobility in that and i i know a bunch of people in science that are pretty fervent believers in god i know, know my advisor definitely like takes solace in religion a lot um but it doesn't it doesn't dissuade her in her path. I'm sure she like finds appreciation through that. So she seems like a nice lady. I gotta say, like if you if, if as long as as long as it doesn't get in the way and if if it's something that drives you, then absolutely. But there's a difference between um, there are some religions that are just like some mega churches and stuff that are just like not aren't really standing for what i would say is the benefit of church and the benefit of like finding community solace in community and right that's that's the thing like um a lot of churches right let's let's take the catholic church for instance that, that it has this huge premise of right people look to the church people donate to the church because it's think they think it's for the good right and it's under this premise of altruism but and i don't know if you knew this the, the catholic church they have so much money they manage like in finance, we have a term called assets under management, right? We, we, it's like if you have like $400 billion, people gave you $400 billion and then you manage it and you grow it and you take a cut of that. And if we apply that to the Catholic Church, their assets under management, it's some of the largest in the world. Like they have some of the largest sums of money in the world. And like what are they – Nice to not pay taxes too. Yeah, yeah they don't pay taxes. <laughs> and you know, the skeptic in me or the cynic in me might go say, okay, so there's a lot of people on top of the Catholic Church who are just getting rich telling everybody this is their path to God. Right? Just like um, Martin Luther and then the um, – what were those? In the, the indulgences, right? Where people would sell out those. They would sell like if you paid them $10 – they would absolve you of all your sins. Yeah, and you go to... reparations or yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. Was that not what it was called? It was a penance. I don't, I don't remember. I know what you're but talking yeah, about. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm referring paying to. Paying to right? absolve yourself of sins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it almost seems something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, that's there's some, and I, I'm sure you have your own structure that I'm kind of derailing too, but um, I think that there's some like you can find forgiveness in the world around you too. It doesn't have to be like someone who had went to school so that they can forgive you and like absolve you of your sins. Like there are other ways to do that for sure. And um, there are forms of what happens in say Catholicism that are absolutely beneficial. It's, it's <laughs> like, it's good. It is good for me to tell you that like, 
you're doing good that like i think the podcast is going well i like how like seriously you take it i like how that if anyone gets it gets something out of it then it was absolutely like to the benefit of the world that you did it and like if you could help one or two people then that would be awesome um so yeah i think that there's and i like that's what i mean i'm kind of talking i don't know about, if we're quite there yet kevin i think yeah. i've helped maybe like half a person <laughs> yeah <laughs> and helped the discord they, at yeah, least they, yeah, they know they definitely don't want to listen to podcasts anymore that's how i've helped yeah them. <laughs> yeah sorry go on no i i i don't have a lot to say i just think that there are forms of religion that aren't so like old testamenty like the old testament has some cruel stories it's on like almost like grim fairy tales of like like oh we got a moral out of that like cain and abel or whatever like there's some there's some some scary stuff that goes on like swarms of locusts like you were saying like plague and all that um yeah I don't know. Yeah, and then uh, well, that's 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 funny that you mentioned that one of the books I was reading. It's also by Kierkegaard. He talks about um, Abraham and Isaac. Uh, that right, the 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 man who is um, ordained to sacrifice his son. To sacrifice his son. Yeah. yeah, and then he 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 broke that down. Right, he he broke down the novel into what Abraham must have gone through. Right, and what he had to go go through. And he he people miscategorize it. Right, because. Um, you know how he's describing it he called uh, abraham almost a knight of faith because to go through that he must have been tortured the whole time but he also had so much faith in god because you know he believed that if he killed his son he would god would either you know not make him kill his son at the last moment or give his son back to him in another way so that's how he would go through it and he didn't talk about this with his son he didn't talk about this with sarah or his wife and he made that trip right like on horseback or on foot and in 2021 we call that effective schizophrenia (laughs) (laughs) exactly right imagine just the the immense burden that he has right and then people are like oh look that's like people you know may may misconstrue that and try to twist that around into an ethics right and say like this is an example of you know how much you should be following god and that's not i don't think that's really what the parable is about the parable is about faith right uh, almost an absurd faith it's not that you should be like super committed to, to to whatever god says right i mean you need to you you need to have your own absurd faith to you need to make your own leap of faith and then and then it's 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 an interesting parable that anyone or i mean just hearing that because if you think about it from a moral standpoint anyone telling you to kill your son right that's in, in most ethical frameworks that's unethical right but if it's God telling you to do it, is it then unethical, right? That's the whole question. And so, so what do I... Like... I think that's a quick way for me to stop, to like, I don't know, deny that God. Like, yeah, exactly. I think exactly. something that would happen in the modern day is like, a, God, like, God forbid, ch- like a, your child gets cancer, like at a very young age, like this thing that didn't hurt anything, like go, having to go through some, some suffering is is reason for me to would be reason for me to like say god what the hell like that's not cool um i don't know oh yeah there's like some statement yeah yeah, (laughs) so i think oh god come on (laughs) yeah so i think that 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 story is uh it's dangerous too because it definitely can like make people believe that like it's going if you if you do religion right and if you have the right amount of faith then you'll get some like divine intervention and like 
I don't think divine intervention suits most people. I think that if I got some crazy voice in my head, I'd be like, whoa, I don't like this. And like, say, say it happened to everyone. If I got like some, some say God proving his existence to me. And then also some other guy walking around saying like, he now knows he's a king or something. It's like, geez, like there's, I don't know. It, yeah, I mean, it's no longer unique. Some right? with, yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's no longer unique, and then it's it's a question of well, what the hell is this, right? Is it the devil? Yeah. Is it God? Yeah. And then it's it's a whole nother sort of questions. I mean, it's it's really funny. And then you know, you you touched upon it, right? Let's say something you know, innocent by most standards, right? A child passes away for whatever reason, and then people might think, well, what the hell, God? Like you said, and it's an interesting first reaction that people, most people, right? Me included, me, someone who doesn't believe in God would have a reaction like, oh my God, like why did this happen? And our, our initial reactions never like, oh, this is just, this is life. Like life is awful sometimes. Life is absurd as one of my favorite authors says, right? And this is what it is. And there's no God here or there to ascri ascribe any meaning to it. And that's, and that's the most wildly uncomfortable part, right? So I, I definitely, I agree with you. I can yeah, see I'll, why people people go towards religion. Like you could you could definitely see why. I want to hear a bit about your uh, like you you just said you don't believe in God, but what God are you referring to? And also uh, like what guides your morals? Do you feel you have like a day to day morality? Do you think you just like do you stick to morals that your family taught you? What how what do you think? Yeah, I mean to to for 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 the first question from a religious standpoint. I might say that, you know, I'm, I'm not religious at all. Not, uh, family's not religious because, you know, in China, it, it goes either way, right? Either you were either a communist and then you just, and then they strictly disapprove of religion, obviously. So then your family wasn't religious or, you know, you got converted by Christians and then you became super religious. My family happened to fall in the former, right? So I, I'm not religious. And I'd say the God that I do not believe in is just any sort of higher power, be it anthropomorphic or, or some sort of higher consciousness, right? Um, you know the idea that there are absolutes in, in any form it's 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 not something that it's it's a foreign concept to me i don't i can't imagine like if there were to be a god to reveal to me uh like tomorrow i don't i can't imagine how i would act or how i would change different i don't know if anything would change in my life right it's just such a foreign concept to me and in part it's probably because i wasn't raised like that and then secondly it, it's never um uh, spoken to me in a way, and I said, and I would say to your to your question on morality and ethics, that's the, that's the, um, well, that's the pressing question, right? It's one of the reasons why I started this podcast. I hope that talking this out would help me build out my own value framework, right? And obviously, that wasn't the case. It was foolish of me to think that um, starting a podcast would would be able to would allow me to build a um, <laughs> a framework of of morality in a certain way. But it's like it's almost as if. It's, it's a paradox in a way, right? Because not believing in God, you are, right? And then no higher power, no absolutes, right? And then, you know, I believe in some form of agency and some form of free will. So there's a burden of responsibility and guilt on myself. But not having some absolute power define anything, the paradox comes from having a lot of self-burden, guilt, and responsibility, and this, you know, seamlessly um, sheer indifference that this leads to. So, so, you know, how do I reconcile these things, right? I mean, for, for all humans, we've, we've heard, you know, don't steal, don't kill, uh, you know, don't do whatever, don't commit adultery or so forth. And then what, what, what I am always curious about is if I were like trapped under a rock for like a million years 
and I came out and I and I was met with society, what would my thoughts be? And I was like untainted by society or societal um, morals or values or, or religious values, right? If I emerged from the underground, I don't think you'd be interesting to talk about. Yeah, if you're right? I mean, like, like what to talk to? I mean, because it's impossible. That's an impossible case study, right? You know, there's never, there's not a human born ever that hasn't been exposed to some way in some sort of um, framework that's been established previously, and so we'll never know, right? But that's the most pressing question: What are the values of a human being that hasn't been built upon um, the things that have? And so, for my day to day moral ethics. You know, it's hard asking myself what my own values are, right? You know, and I have to rationalize, you know, well, why shouldn't I murder if I don't believe in a God, right? Why shouldn't I steal? And not that I'm, I'm, I'm capable of doing those things, but it's just, you know, they're good thought experiences. And it's just, it's, it's always hard because it's just, you just feel so indifferent a lot of the time. Because, like, if there's no, if, well, if I personally don't believe in any form of a higher power, right? Like, why, why does it all matter? So, you know, it was a very long-winded way to not answer your question, but those are my complicated no, thoughts on the, the only, topic. The only, like, uh, additional question I have is your thoughts on death. Do you, are you fearful of death? Do you know what happens after? Yeah, I mean, no, I, I, I hope I don't know <laughs> what happens after. It's just, it's the interesting question. We brought it up on the start of the podcast, right? How it's the structure of all of life, because that's, you know, for me, that's the only absolute in all of life. So does that not beg the question? Uh, does that not then suggest that you know to make the most out of your life is to have the most amount of experiences, right? Because if you're going to die, and if you're not a nihilist and you believe all things are pointless because everyone's going to die, then you know you have to do your best to sort of break out of habits, break out of things that are comfortable, right? One of the things I regret, for instance, is not going out and just like traveling more. However, I think, you know, I mean, you know me, Gavin, I, I do have a lot of hobbies. I think in a way it's, it's, a, it's a way for me to explore different things that I might have yeah. been um, uncomfortable with before. Like this podcast, for instance, it was kind of uncomfortable starting it, felt kind of you know, anxious and, and, and embarrassed talking about it. But I think it's, it's very cathartic in a way. Um, you know, like a lot, a lot of things come down to death, right? And I, I don't think I'm – well – I, I tell myself I'm not terrified for, of it, but I just, it's, it's almost sad to think that I'll die and then nothing I did really, really matters. Like in a few years, like in a decade, like nobody's yeah. going to remember us in any form, right? Even like the most famous people, right? I bet like, you know, in the a 18th century. A decade is not selling yourself yeah. short, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about a century. Like... My, my, yeah, my children are going to be like, who is that guy again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, and it doesn't matter. Even if people do remember me for like forever, even though that's impossible, it doesn't matter to me because I'm dead, right? So that, that means that, you know, you have to make, you know, the most cliche platitude. You have to make the best out of you know, the present, your life. But that's not such an easy thing because what is that? Like, what is that? Like, what is making the best out of my life? Because we still live in a, in, a, in, a, in a society of humans where you have to work to get money to do the things that you like. So you end up, you know, most people aren't like, don't have the money to go out and do anything they want all the time. So you end up yeah. entering this repetitive cycle of working, 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 and then and getting more money to do the things you like. And then eventually, like you're 55, you know, you, you might die in five years. And like, what was it all for? Right. So mm -hmm. that's 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 the part of death that makes me uncomfortable, makes a lot of people uncomfortable. And, you know, sometimes I wish yeah. I was religious and I sometimes I think about what I would be like if I was born into a religious household. But you know, th those are my one thoughts. Of, on yeah. That. One of my favorite uh, like uh, views on death is from one of my favorite books, Slaughterhouse Five. Um, oh, yes. And great book. There's, yeah. you, there's you suggested me to read that. It was such a good book. Thank you. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, there's some uh, some aliens in that book that 
they constantly have a oh was it like the Tralfagarians or whatever yeah the Tralflamadorians yeah <laughs> if anyone in the chat has seen the movie Arrival it's uh based on the same alien it's the the aliens in Arrival are based off the Tralflamadorians and they see time like differently so when they look at you they see like you as a baby and you on your deathbed and like every every stretch in between that they can see like sort of all time and so they have a cool quote about death which is just so it goes when everything when any, when anything ever dies they constantly just respond with so it goes because they don't see it as over they kind of see it as like still existing for it still had a great impact like there's no like say a, an electron or something like serves its per a photon is a better example i guess serves its purpose and like ref gets into your eyeball to like show you a brilliant red or something like that um there's it's not like we should weep for the loss of that photon it's like it's like it sort of served its purpose but obviously that's pretty hard take to have but the way that the way that the main character like uh reassures his family or like the people is on his gravestone he has everything was beautiful and nothing hurt and i think always thought that was really nice just to like regardless of <laughs> you don't have to remember me but don't feel sorry for me is kind of what he's saying yeah and and then and then that's like an almost metaphysical way to approach life and i think the uh, the dissonance that was put into the story right was of the, the main character who who added the human element right and he was like so be it so be it and so it goes and so yeah, it goes really and then him. at the last scene he sees the um, barbershop quartet singing right and their and their faces right remind him of uh the, the firebombing of dresden of the victims yeah. there and then he goes into this like horrible like shock right like in this like a trance almost like a fetal state because it 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 it, it, it evokes what's human in him so so in in one sense that the parable is telling us that this strictly, you know, super metaphysical, you know, strictly philosophical, like, oh, you know, it all, so it goes, is, is almost incompatible with, with, with the human. Uh, no, yeah, it's impossible it. to take that. You can't, no, no rational person, like if, say, God forbid, again, like your son or daughter dies, you're not going to say, so it goes. Damn, like, Gavin, are you really manifesting my son or daughter dying today? No, no, no. <laughs> no it's just like, a, it's, it's impossible to have that mindset. Like, you can't be like, well, at least I got that much time with them. Like, no, you're going to be like, what the fuck? I want to be, I apologize for cursing. I don't know if that's even allowed, but um, yeah, you're going to be like, what? Like, you can't be <laughs> taking my daughter. No, I like, I'm owed some more time with that person. Like I would start to go against my God. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and it's, it's, it's funny how you, how you said like, owed, right. A lot of people think they're owed things. Right. And in a way we are, uh, in a way, we owe it to our own existence, right? Being so short to, to make a lot of meaning out of it. And, and when things prematurely happen, like, you know, in this hypothetical instance where my daughter dies, right? We feel like we're, 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 we're almost scammed in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But th that was, it was a terrific book. Um, really, it, it really makes you think about, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's obviously not pro-war, right? And it, it brings up so many philosophical points. It's just like, well, well, what what is the point of this war at the end of the day, yeah, right? Absolutely. If, if, if all of this is to happen, right? I mean, we're all humans in the sense. I mean, th that's this is what's abundantly clear. We're all humans, and you know what's yeah. been clear. We don't need religion as an excuse to kill each other. And I think a lot of people may, um, 
Yeah, like, like what you're saying. I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt you, but at the very last scene where it's like goes back to the firebombing, like the last words in the book are like "putuit," which is like oh, supposed to be some yeah, some bird. bird noise. Yeah. And he's when when he was asked like why is that the like the last thing that's in the book, he essentially said like there's no good message that you can get out of it. Like there's there's nothing I'm gonna say. It's essentially just like that. <laughs> nature will move on. Like it'll things happen and it's like essentially that bird had no no stake in the war it was just singing out of like yeah like people died and that's it like this yeah. bird's just singing over there people died and that's it like life's absurd yeah. like that's what happened and then we did it like we did it to ourselves yeah it's it's a strange strange little piece of fiction for sure for sure that that guy is one of the weirdest people um and his name is escaping me sorry uh Oh my gosh, who's the author of Slaughterhouse Five? Kurt Vonnegut. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kurt Vonnegut. He uh, he's a very strange guy because in like he'll he'll uh, like elaborately spell out all these like cool philosophical questions and like things that uh, should lead your morals, and then in the same book he'll like list the order of penis sizes of all of his characters, and it's like, what is this guy doing? It's like a philosophical question. What do yeah, you he has <laughs> he has some like strange. Uh, some strange takes on fiction. Well, you sure. don't go through a firebombing and not come out. That's true. Yeah. The size of men's penises. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's an absolute. There are no absolutes in life, but that's the absolute. Except for that, yeah. <laughs> but it was, um, yeah, and and you know, they they gave a shout out to the brothers Karamazov in that book. I remember the the guy that he was hospitalized with. Um, he was like, in one sentence, he was like, "The brothers Karamazov tells us all about life, but we need more than that." And I was like, you know, that's a good shout out. And Hillary Clinton actually counted that book as her favorite. So, you know, it's it, one. The, the brother, yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, she obviously did it for also political reasons, right? Yeah, she I don't know whether to, <laughs> whether to speak on the Clinton family. Not clearly uh, the most moral family. By yeah, any the Clinton standards. family yeah. Uh, not caring too much about whether it's justifiable murder is kind of a funny thing to think. Yeah, it's a strange yeah. book. If if I if I were her, I would have said like the Little Prince or something, <laughs> something a little more. Yeah. No, I mean like I was gonna say Doctor Seuss, but now people are wanting to ban Doctor Seuss, and yeah. it's like, it gets so, into this okay. whole Fahrenheit four fifty one question, right? Like, what do you? Why do you want to ban? Like, you want to ban these books because they have some sort of offensive pretense and it's morally wrong? How are you? Where are you establishing these morals from? Right, like you're gonna yeah. tell me that mock, uh, to kill a mockingbird is is incorrect to read for children or or like young adults? Like that's shocking to me. Yeah, that people I agree. Will make a moral. It just goes to show that people don't need religion in some aspects too. Like a lot of people are like, look at the Crusades. Religion's not obviously all good, right? And I'm and once again, I'm not oh, religious, yeah. but but it's like humans didn't need that excuse. If they, if there was a religion, they'd find another excuse to kill. Exactly. Each other. Yeah, they'd find another thing. Yeah, be, like, whether whether people... it be politics or money or. Exactly. Or like just the way you look, like your skin color is different. Like I'm going to kill you. Like it's just, it's, I don't know. Like if this is a way that people like, you know, if this is a way that some humans deal with the uncomfortable, you know, the naked absurdity of life that they, you know, go project it in in ways like this. But it's, it's something that we need to deal with because it's not religion that's causing it, right? Humans will always find a a reason to, that's why, you know, in, in one of the books I've read, um, he says, uh, the author says, you know, humans, or a, a, as the as the narrator, he says, I don't know if he actually fully believes this. He says all humans are um, just ignorant, right? They don't do the wrong thing. And, but like, at what point is that ignorance excusable or unexcusable, right? Is is the question I always ask myself. 
like you see some of the things on the news and it's just like oh my god like really like that's we have the same genetic makeup like (laughs) you know what i mean yeah no it's there's some interesting parts of there's a there's a lot going on in that statement like the dr seuss thing like whether uh whether to separate art from artists is kind of the 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 message there um and that's a it's a weird take it's a strange thing to think about sometimes like because to some extent i'm willing to and to some extent i'm not like obviously if you if you drive a, a a ford brand car it doesn't mean that you're like somehow in relation to henry ford which is famously like oh he sold weapons of, to the yeah famously yeah, like yeah. supported hitler yeah, yeah. and uh <laughs> him and like not i don't know i'm i'm not super well read on this but like walt disney also was like pretty buddy buddy with those with him as well so like there's some things that like i like to believe that are no longer like support in support of what they once were and like uh dr seuss maybe one of them woody allen like do you, are you not allowed to watch woody allen movies just because he's a weird guy sexually like, <laughs> like louis ck too you know same yeah, deal yeah 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 i don't know it's a strange that cancel culture is both necessary because i think people do need to speak out like particularly about um like sexual sexual deviance and like yeah, uh definitely oh geez yeah and, i never thought i'd hear like, that word on the strip podcast and yeah. i think like no but other things too like not just like racism is like a huge one like yeah. you should be if if your boss like said like oh the reason you're not getting like a, a raise is because of insert any word about you that's like not by choice then that's like should be should be punished like you can't just be some like harvey weinstein that's like oh you didn't hug me when you came in so you don't get the the role like that's not that's not chill exactly Um, i mean that's the whole pressing like you that's the line to walk with the cancel culture right because in one like for instance we talk harvey weinstein hollywood obviously the paradigm in hollywood was it was dominated by white men and you had to like perform fellatio on them if you were a woman to get a job right that's obviously like that's obviously something that people should speak out against, and then like the 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 it 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 progresses though, right? It's it's a very fluid. Like where does it like where do we take it? Where does it end? Because then if you look at me and you try to make a moral argument, I could buy the moral argument of why we needed to cancel Harvey Weinstein, right? Like that's easy for me to look inside of myself metaphysically and be like, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. And then if you go look at me and you tell me like we need to ban to kill a mockingbird and you spew at me these you know various moral arguments. And it's just like, okay, so then like, where does this cancel culture, culture end? Are we, we're basically shaping other people's um, views or perceptions on morality that way, right? I mean, if enough people go and, and like, let's say To Kill a Mockingbird does get canceled, and then throughout the generations, it's almost like evolution, right? That becomes, that now inherits into our morality, right? And then so like maybe 400 years down the line, people find whatever aspect of however he wrote, you know, the candidness of how he wrote To Kill a Mockingbird is now, you know, somehow morally incorrect. So like that's the line to walk with with cancel culture. Where 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 does it you know end? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I I think there are absolutely like reasonable and like and honestly, people who speak out are often like it's very brave of them because it's often very private things that you don't want to become famous for. Like you don't want to become famous for being like the girl who like took a nap in like 
Louis C.K.'s green room and woke up with <laughs> like some mysterious liquid. Like okay, that's not okay. cool. To defend my guy Louis C.K., he asked for permission. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's. I, mean, I, I don't know I, if you heard the full story. Dave Chappelle did like a skit on it, right? And apparently, like I don't know, the story was like he was on the phone with her, right? Or like on women, and then he was like, you know, can I like start masturbating over the phone? And they were like, ha ha, like it's Louis C.K. being weird again. And then like he, and then they didn't say no, and he started doing it, and they were like, oh my god, like he's doing that. And then Dave yeah. Chappelle made the joke, and he was like, just hang up, like what, 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 what's <laughs> like, what's the issue here? But, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's strange. I'm not because... defending him in any way, but it's like a, no, that's yeah. like a weird line to walk, right? That's like the weird ambiguity. You're like, okay, like what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, another in- interesting uh, science perspective of the of Louis C.K. Uh, jerking off. No, science perspective <laughs> of like separating art from artists is like one. I can't remember his name, but there was like a Nazi scientist who just performed like pretty rigorous scientific studies on how uh how the human body reacts to extreme cold and it's like he was experimenting on oh, Ma- live... Mengel. sorry to interrupt Mengel. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah i think that's exactly the right yeah the angel of death yeah yeah like that do you obviously that guy was a bastard and like i hope he's like i hope no person ever like <laughs> appreciates him for any like sense of what he's done but he discovered but, a lot of medically but yeah like, a lot of things, a lot right? of yeah. a lot of the use a lot of data was useful for like what the body can handle and it's not justified but do is it is it there is a moral question there of whether that data should be thrown away because like obviously it wasn't obviously there's like they there was some use found but I don't know whether that should be thrown away is like a pretty, I could put up a few good arguments as to why it should. Cause like, if you like, I don't know, <laughs> it's, it's dangerous. Sorry. Yeah. Um, someone from, was it all destroyed? I, I don't know. I thought that I, I thought I've, I've heard there's that at there least record. Of yeah, it. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've heard, I've heard there's been some use or right? or the debate. And then you might come at it from a utilitarian standpoint. You might come at it from some standpoint, whatever it is, it's another debate to have. Right. Because if it could save human lives and that's the, like, you need to argue like that's. Yeah. I, I might be wrong on that. I, I admittedly am not super well read, but there's some other like, crazy science stories like yeah i'm sure I i'm sure yeah sure it's more. not unique to mango i'm sure this has happened where some guy was like eating feet and like being a cannibal and then like <laughs> yeah. some some something was like like penicillin was discovered because of that yeah, yeah. or like you know it's just it's it's it, things like these happen and that's i mean and, there's also people that were just crazy and got yeah. a lot of stuff done like yeah. uh, a lot of people that worked with lead a lot and mercury a lot like just kind of can go crazy from the poisoning um there's also like uh Marie Curie um, is an amazing, is that amazing the scientist. Is that the radio, radio the radiation? Yeah. yeah like okay, yeah. amazing study. And so is her husband or her husband and brother-in-law are both like very famous as well. But yeah, she like her, her body is like in entombed in like a bunch of like lead or whatever to, cause it's, she's still radioactive. <laughs> oh, she will yeah. be for oh, hundreds of years. Yeah. Um, and it's like, whether that's, that's even noble or not is like kind of a, a strange thing to say. Like, I, I don't know whether looking back, whether the data was worth her killing herself and like all that stuff. But yeah, I don't know. It doesn't matter to her. Like, even if we say like, you know, artists like um, Van Gogh or, you know, as the Dutch say Van Gogh 
is, is apparently oh. the correct pronunciation of that name I just found out recently. Like, it's sure it's all well and good that we've discovered, like, you know, curry, for instance, for a radio, radio action, radioactivity discoveries. It's good that, you know, we've discovered and appreciate them later, but it doesn't matter to them because now they're dead and they probably suffered while they were alive. Right. So so I don't know if that's any comfort to them. Right. It's comforting to us. We're like, oh, we appreciate them now. Right. It's almost like we're avoiding some of the responsibility. Like, oh, we told them to like kill themselves during their life. But now we're appreciating them afterwards. Like, you know, it's just it's just like, what do you what do you do there? Right. Yeah. And that could happen to any of us. Like, well, what if, you know, me and you, you, you know, you manifest Gavin manifest manifest me to die a terrible death and I do. And then later on, everybody starts to appreciate my podcasts. <laughs> right. There's like, a. <laughs> There's a funny, uh, a similar example of like a textbook I was reading that essentially said like, here are like so-and-so's name and so-and-so's name that made excellent dis discoveries. And it's like, unfortunately, both of them took their lives due to like being, due to going crazy. Or, yeah, like, like Galileo, being, for instance. They were like. Being denied. And yeah. it's like, oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. Galileo was like, hey, guys, like, I don't know if the sun revolves around the uh, revolves around the earth and everyone's like, shut up or we'll kill you. <laughs> like, it's yeah. just like, like, what are we like? That's this is the question. Like, well, and of course, you're going to be like, OK, well, fine, fine. The sun doesn't you know, yeah. revolve, revolve around the earth. And, and we could apply that to, to philosophically, like telling people telling us what is right, what is wrong. Well, maybe we should be the arbiters of that. And like, because no human has an advantage over another human in determining what is absolute, right? Because none of us know. So, I mean, I oh. don't know if that's the case or not, whether, whether there's not advantage. Um, obviously there's some people whose lives are dedicated to this. Like there's a, there's a, a sect in the Vatican that like is fundamentally devoted to like science from a religious perspective and like saying that. So obviously whether evolution should be teach taught in school whether uh god should be taught in school what god should be taught in school is kind of like a something that's been pressing and like there's some sex of the vat i know the vatican has like a scientific team that essentially is trying to trying to get a better like relationship with science I'd yeah say. they took way too long for that but like what i was getting at is yeah. you know from my perspective a homeless guy doesn't I don't know any more than a homeless guy does about the meaning of my life, right? Which is sure. a little uncomfortable because we've been through, like, for instance, you go through eight years of, of school, you get your doctorate, right? And you might not be more learned about the condition of, like, of the existence of humans more than any other person, right? That's a little uncomfortable because in a way oh, we yeah, pride absolutely. ourselves on, like, going above and beyond. And uh, so thank you, Gavin. And before we finish it off, is there anything, you know, the, the platform is all yours. Is there anything you'd like to promote? Is there anything you'd like to say to our uh, many thousands of listeners on, on Spotify? Uh, no, just kind of uh, what I'd like to say is just kind of don't, don't, don't become too much of a fanatic in any way. Definitely listen to, if you can, if I could say anything towards science, it's just that it is good to be disproven. It is good to, challenge your beliefs to have a working model that is no longer a working model that's that's super it, it it sounds bad but it's almost the best thing that you can have and i know a lot of religions do do that but uh yeah i think get get yourself a melting pot of different beliefs and if you can find people that challenge you then those are good people to be around so yeah that's all nothing to really plug i yeah right <laughs> stay yeah. cool yeah absolutely and uh, well Okay, uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast episode four, Reconciling Science, Religion, and Philosophy. 
You know, today me and Gavin covered, uh, Gavin and I covered a lot of topics, and I think we've determined that science alone isn't enough to dictate the human life. And you need, you know, philosophy, religion, and and they are compatible in some ways. And you know, once again, it's the complexity of human nature that's that's not easily solved. That marks the end of the podcast. Thank you for all the listeners, and catch our previous episodes one, two, and three on Spotify and Apple.